0: Yo, what's up, Jaxman? This is your boy, J. Juliulis. This is The Ville Radio Show. And it's your boy, Big Phil. Yes! And Shirt dog is in the
1: building. Brr.
0: Every single Saturday at 6 p.m., come rock with us. Tune in to 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio, nothing but goodness Man, we talk about everything from the gospel to gummy bears to gang members. Come rock with us every Saturday, 6 p.m., The Ville Radio
2: Show, where we're chilling like villains.
0: Microphone check, one, two, what is this? Yo, what's going on? This is the Ville Radio Show. This is Jay Juliulis in the building. Um, I don't know where you're at right now. You might be in your car. You might be in the crib or wherever you're at. We about to get into some real conversation here on the Ville Radio Show. I'm your host. You know what I'm saying? I got my other people with me. Everybody say what's up real quick. Shirk Dog, yell at him, man.
2: Hello. Hey, this is Shirk Dog. I'm glad to be back with some guests, but I'm not going to get to them yet. 'Cause I got another co host and I'm always excited to hear how he introduces himself.
3: You already know what it is, you already oh, know who boy. it do. It's the country slang and make it stain a thing and make it say, Oh, oh two time, baby. That's how we do it. We in the field, baby. Let's go, man.
0: We everybody out there, we're in the process of getting him kicked <laughs> off the show for that. Right there, whatever. <laughs> no, straight up and down. We in the building. We have a Ville Radio show. We got Philly Ely Shirk Dog in the building. And we got two guests with us today that I'm super excited about. We have Lisa Fields, who's actually the founding director of the Jude 3 Project. She graduated with a Master of Divinity at Liberty University. Come on. Lisa, say what's up to the people.
4: What's up? I'm excited to be here.
0: Straight up, most definitely. Most definitely, we're glad to have you. Also, we got my man Jonathan Blackburn coming back. He was here with us last week, who's executive director of Second Mile. He has a PhD in intercultural studies from Asbury Seminary. Jonathan, what's cracking, brother?
5: What's up, Jay? What's up?
0: Chilling, man. The you know what I mean? You're man. Straight up, and you're down. the Veal, man. Straight up. Hey, listen, check this out. This is Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. Um, listen. Rock with us. We we let's let's we're gonna jump right into stuff really, really quick. Also shout out to the Ville Church as well. Um, all our people that support us there and make this show those, they sponsor us and they make this show happen. Um I'm the pastor, so it's weird when I say that they sponsor us, so I don't know how you want to play that. Just take it for what it is, but we're here because of the Ville Church and all the faithful members that support support us and allow us to be on the air right now, Um, so that's what that is. Shout out to my family over there.
3: Oh, a shout out to the people that's on live stream right now, because we are live in the Ville. Yo, straight up. You know what I'm saying? We on Big Phil's page, but we're going to share this. Y'all make sure y'all share this, please, to my people that's on. We got Lisa here. She's going to... we're we looking to hear a word from her today, and Jonathan Blackburn. So we in the building. Let's go,
0: man. We in the building. Listen, so I'm going to jump right to it really quick. Um, let me just bring everybody up to speed. So we're in our third week of talking about racism in the church, um, and I and, and I just want to set the table really fast or whatever. One of the things we we touched on, just a couple of topics last week, we were talking about how um, the black church and many denominations that we actually see pretty much were born out of a response to heresy in the white church, which was basically just the idolatry of, um, self of, you know, there was the dehumanization, dehumanization of, of blacks. You know, we, we had a, a slave culture in this country. And, um, and so we no longer could do church together because blacks were not esteemed as full humans to many people who tried to raise the banner of racism um, as they raise the banner of the cross. And that simply doesn't work, right? Um, that just doesn't work at all or whatever. And so the, uh, so we saw a lot of denominations born out of racist um, or racial tension that was happening in the church, which is completely anti the gospel that we preach. Um, so we got into that last week. And so, listen, I know a lot of listeners out there, they're probably going to go, man, you know, I just kind of feel like y'all are stirring up some stuff and, you, and you're causing division even with this topic of conversation. But what we need to understand is this right here. If you look at the, the church statistically right now, and if you've been listening, you've heard me quote these statistics, and I'm going to just be kind of liberal with it, and I'm going to say this right here. These statistics, I've, I've heard many statistics, but they're all pitiful. They, it slides all over the place or whatever, right? So, I, so I've heard that the diversity inside of the American church is at um, 5%. Um, On the bottom end, I've heard that it's actually at 2.5%. I've heard in the Protestant church, it's at around 12%, but then when you look at the church as a whole, that we're looking around anywhere between 2.5% and 5%. So we'll rest right there. And that is saying that you actually have, um, that's on an 80-20 scale. So we're not even talking about 50-50 divided diverse churches. We can't even get there. If we tried to get there, then we'd be talking about probably less than 1% of the American church. So if you are listening right now and you're saying, hey, um, you're, stir- you're stirring up division right now, then I would push back and say, homie, you're blind, a girlfriend, you're blind, because we already divided. We've been divided.
2: How Understand? can you stir up division when it's already divided? That's what I'm you talking what I'm
0: about. Thank you, shirt dog. And what, so, what was the quote? You can't have reconciliation
3: if it ain't never been conciliation.
0: Is <laughs> <Yeah. it> <laughs> straight <laughs> up and down, bro. Like, So this is... This the, the reason the Veil Radio Show. This is such an important topic. I mean, that we don't own this conversation. This is a, a conversation that the church um, is stirring really, really heavy right now, um, and 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 there's a lot of responsibility that I think we need to take on. As we have this conversation, I think it's the way that we care and we love the church I um, mean we actually protect and we fight for the church, um, but I also want to remind people that don't even touch this conversation unless you're going to be actually um, juggling um, forgiveness and mercy and love in it i 'm not saying don't be sober and straight to the point and honest, but i 'm saying that You're going to go into a bad place if you try to deal with these topics and deal with this conversation without a forgiving heart and looking at the cross and what Christ did for you. Because we don't want to hold a debt against people when we've had such a debt forgiven of us. And um, so I just need people to know that because people tend to go to try to curtail this conversation and try to set up all these safe barriers for it that are more so about fear of the conversation and less about stewarding it with a, with a a gospel and a, and a godly heart. Um, and so I just want to let you know what we're on because the conversation can get hard and it could get racy. Um, and, and, and that's just is what it is. So that's what we've been talking about. Um, and I, let me start there. Whatever. What we ended with last week was that we were going to actually go into, um, The response of the black church to the historical narrative of what has happened to the white church and some of the dangers that we need to watch for in the black church and some of the things we already see evidence happening where there's a counter racism that happens or whatever. I mean, this is just human nature. It happens with all people. But. You know, my white brothers and sisters in their church, they need to fight for diversity. They need to preach it. They need to expose sin but in the black church we actually need to be very vigilant about what God has given us to story as well when it comes to his word and the heart of forgiveness that comes in that as well. Um and so I just think there's a lot of things in that whole conversation to be um, attended to. So I just wanna I'm keeping it kind of vague, but I wanna lean into that. But like um, Lisa, Jonathan, can y'all jump in on just the first part of what I was saying about the separation of the church and some of your opinions um, concerning racism in the church? I want to hit that before we kind of go into what we're saying about the black church, if y'all don't mind.
4: Um, so the part about uh, how the the black church was a response to wh- the whiteness, white yeah. supremacy in the black church, yeah. in the white church, um, I think that's important that we understand that because I see it all the time with the G3 project. We'll have, um, people that are, are white evangelicals or just Caucasians saying, why is there a white church? Why is there a black church? Isn't that racist in itself? And it's kind of like, you don't understand the history and how black people were treated in churches. So when you have Richard Allen and Absalom Jones, um, back um, starting the a m e church, it was a response to the Methodist Church not allowing them um, to operate as full humans in their church.
3: did and you say full humans
4: it's, they were treated as second class citizens, mm. and so the yeah, they couldn 't take
5: communion or pray at the altar at the same time as the whites, so they had to mm-hmm. they had to wait their turn. You know, I don't know if you want to... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do I you don't not? know if y'all have talked about that. Roll with it. So, you know... Is this, roll time. So the the, <laughs> the historical... and You find this in a number of, of you know, black church texts. You know, I think it's Absalom Jones who protests by going down during that time and takes the knee to pray because it was just... It, that was issue of in, inequality, you know, at its earliest mm-hmm. state. And he's literally lifted up... Off of his knees. Um, And so, even though, you know, often the Methodist Church gets a lot of credit for um, being abolitionists and uh, not supporting slavery or opposing slavery, they did support inequality Mm -hmm. because what they did is they ordained Richard Allen so that he could have his own black (laughs) denomination, in which the African Methodist Episcopal Church is the first African or first black or Negro um, denomination. Um, I don't know. That's a, I, <laughs> some of the stuff I start, I start rolling. So all of these names you see African, you've, you've, sometimes you find the oldest black churches, they still have the word African in them. Mm-hmm. Um, CME is one of those older denominations. Um, and some of them, they were protests to actually have their names changed as times changed. CME colored Methodist Episcopal Church. Today I believe they did change it. Is it now Christian Methodist Episcopal? Well, they wanted to do that for AME and they're like, no, we're not, we're not changing it because it does represent, it's part of our narrative of how we how we got here.
4: Mm-hmm. And uh Marvin McMickle makes a good point. When the country was uh pinning the Declaration of Independence, I believe he said the irony of it is that In churches, black people weren't considered as fully human, but we were arguing for it as a country, but not even able to have it actualized in our congregations. Well, we know it wasn't actualized in our country, but it would seem that the church would be ahead, but the church was not ahead Mm -hmm. and was not able to be an example. And so for the irony is that, we come back. We come to 2017, and we still have people being ordained in, 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 in predominantly white churches and not really able to be given power or treated as treated as equal. So, um, how far have we really come?
0: Hold on. Can you hit that last line one more time, please?
4: <laughs> the irony is that we're in 2017, and we have black people who are able to be ordained. In churches, but are not given access to power, access to money, um, access to influence to really be able to have a voice at the table in these denominations. And so it all boils down to, you know, I, I think I was telling somebody yesterday it's about economics. If we mm-hmm. don't have the money um, and we don't have access to that, then we are at a disadvantage, even in the church. We talk yeah. about it and say in in the country, but it's an economics issue in the church. If mm-hmm. you hold the purse, yeah. then you make everybody puppets to the mm-hmm. people who hold the pot, yeah. hold the purse.
5: Yeah, he who you know, there's a there's a saying. He who control who he who makes the he who controls the agenda can make the definition. So whatever. So if you if you're able to control the agenda, whoever's able to define a thing, that's the person who controls the agenda, because sometimes we can see things differently. But that whole economic or that power structure, which even is a part of the church narrative, um, you know, is is proof of that. You know, because you you may be seeing like a total different thing. So I think that's why I think some things like power promise keepers end up falling apart, which supposed to be like this whole. Christian, black men, white men, racial reconciliation, love your family movements end up <laughs> falling apart. It fall apart. Because that's the same real. thing. as like, well, our churches, they don't have the same re- income and resources, you know. Yeah. Um,
3: and it sounds like to me that, uh, you know, that using that as an example, promise keeps, I remember that. I remember
5: yeah.
3: uh, being a young teenager and going down to the stadium and you had all these black and white men standing together and it was all about, you know, Jesus and we, we're overlooking race and race has nothing to do with we lifting up the name of God. And as you see, they ain't even around no more. But it sounds like to me, again, that this is a prime example of people not being repentive. It sounds like like before we can even get to handle all of what needs to go out as far as resources, as far as time, as far as influence, can somebody just say, hey, you know what, I think we've been screwing it up for about 50 years or so, a little more than that.
5: Well, well, those those things have occurred. But you know, the Bible talks about fruits worthy of repentance. Yeah. yeah. Like, they give you uh, the
4: they give you I'm sorry, but they don't they, they don't live you. they don't give you no money. Yeah. You know, and okay? sometimes you cry worse than
5: like, oh you making me cry. <laughs> you know, but it was it is it Lazarus? Now, who climbed in the sycamore tree? Is that not Lazarus? That's um Zacchaeus. 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 I'm sorry. Luke mm. nineteen, yeah. know? That's called Lazarus. Lazarus. Um, but Zacchaeus says I would get, if I took anything, I would restore fourfold. Yep. You know, so there's just a, a level of justice that that comes along uh, with that narrative. So, so you, I have a question, real quick. Sure. Hit it, sure.
2: Specifically about promise keepers. Sure. Would you consider promise keepers a failure?
5: It just was. It was afraid to still address the fundamental issues. Mm-hmm. So, um, so for example, um, a, a a book that a lot of race conscience white evangelicals like is divided by faith. And it is a very good book because it addresses the some of the hard issues, um, and so, and so you, sometimes you get on some of these subjects, and it's like, but they lift up major figures who are part of that conversation today. Um, so, persons like John Perkins, mm, um, yeah. who's been a major, but you still look at the still functional st- structures. Yeah, John Perkins has been able to liberate and elevate the conversation within, within white evangelicals, but it hasn't done much to, to build the trust of African-American Christians that we will really have this environment of, of equality, of equality, um, even in, a, in an environment where the narrative is love, radical love, love that is beyond comprehension. Like, we have the theological and the philosophical belief and foundation but still a deep level of distrust that it will ever occur.
0: Yeah. You, you know, one of the things is this right here. I think, um, and, and this kind of goes off a couple of things y'all hit. We don't realize how much we have to destroy to rebuild. No, and, yeah. and, and we've made things um, holy in a sense that really are not holy. They're actually sinful. Um, When it comes to the functionality of the church and how we do things and repentance is actually looking like knocking down some of the walls in our own house to rebuild it for other people to fit. Um, And I think when we talk about the conversation lacking with white evangelicals, it's like, man, I'm sorry, but we want to stop right there. But it's like if you don't look at the historical narrative of what has happened, then you, you can't really weigh how much has been broken. Um, so you don't even know what you, you need to take responsibility for or say sorry for. Um, Can
4: I make a point to that? Oh, yeah, thing? yeah, please. Um, one of the things I was sharing with somebody yesterday, I was like, if we look at economics, we look at Southern Baptists, for instance. The reason Southern Baptists exist is because the slave, oh, they wanted to still have slaves. Um, and so that's why they split. <laughs> I'm not getting the story all the way right. But it comes down to slavery. It came down to money. And mm-hmm. they wanted to keep, they wanted to keep slaves. And so they split from, from other Baptists that didn't. And so because of that, most of the money that Southern Baptists collected was on the backs of black slaves. Mm-hmm. When you think yeah. about this. Yes. Yeah. So they have all this money, but where does it come from? It comes from them getting free labor from Africans to fund missions to send people to other countries to preach the gospel.
5: Yeah.
0: How crazy is that? And let me ask you this right here. How crazy is that today? When we are trying to spread the gospel to young African American um, um, you know millennials, and they're doing their history and doing their homework, that the white church will not take responsibility for the historical narrative, and even a lot of times even the black church has not when it comes to pursuing from an evangelistic standpoint, even doing the history. Um, that we need to do because our kids are looking at this stuff yeah, yeah. and they're like, y'all yeah. are full of crap. No, yeah. and, and, and here's the thing. The gospel gives us a, 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 a answer for all of this stuff. It's called repentance. No, yeah. It's called yeah. real repentance, no, not yeah. not game repentance, but repentance with a heart of sorrow that makes you go back and do the diligence that it requires yeah. to fix it. You know, I think last week we used the example. If you are caught cheating on your wife, If you're caught cheating on your wife and she is going to have mercy on you, you walk very, very light. And the conversation goes from, baby, I'm running out the house to, hey, baby, do you mind if I run to the store? Because I realize that my credibility has been shot and you need to know where where I'm going, where I'm at. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you my phone when I come back. You do whatever you got to do to get things right if you really want to fix it. We haven't done that in the church. We haven't repented. There's so much stuff still on the table. I'm talking about mountains of stuff that we won't actually deal with. But Hold John Jay.
2: For that example, yeah. though, this is what white people will say. they say, I didn't cheat on my wife. My grandfather cheated on
5: his wife. Yeah. I, but, you know, so, I'm so I'm just a, saying... I'm no, no, that's no, no, so no, that's, that's good. The that's they made good. a yeah. great and point. And that is a great point. Uh, or, no, <laughs> I can't say great. It is a consistent point. Yes. But um, several things with that. So again... Um, Going back to uh, a a point I heard that D.A. Carson Carson gave, that sin is social. Um, It's easy to understand why pornography grips our culture. Not because other men are teaching in a rote manner how to do it. Sin is social. So even though (laughs) you didn't participate in it, there was no rote discussion about this is what happened over and over again. It's breathed into the culture. It is, it is like natural everyday rhythm. And so you, you are affected. So if I were to make a parallel for evangelicals um, in particular, and I would say uh, the issue of same-sex marriage, most evangelicals would say you, it's so wrong because the damages are irreversible. We, we would uh, If I just disguised the conversation, talked about how such a major decision such as that has um, irreversible damage for generations to come, they would all say, yeah, that's right, that's right. If we take it, <laughs> it to racism and the history of race in America, it's, oh, no, 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 no. So why is it that um, we can do it in other parallels yes. where we talk about sinfulness, but not in others? Yes. Another thing that I hear is, um, I've lost my train of thought, so but I'll, I'll leave it there. But, yeah.
3: No, I, I, and I, I bumped into a lot of Young white millennials that will say that. They will say, Hey, man, I'm sorry for what my grandfather's grandfather did to you, or what my parents' parents did to you. That's not me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know plenty students that have come out right now, white students that say, Hey man, you know, I I got a friend, he's like, That's you know, that ain't me, man. man. I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood. And and, you know, uh, yeah, that's just not me. But I think when you you, when you get that that I don't necessarily want to say it is a cop-out it's kind of it kind of is
5: it's a cop-out it
3: is a it's a it's a cop-out because what you have to understand is is that you have a choice to exist in that context or not black people have to totally survive
0: in it all the time we have to try to survive in what is left over from that and here's and and here's the thing too Phil to add on to what you're saying it's, um, it re- even if somebody throws that statement out, they still now have a responsibility to take the historical narrative really serious because it does have an effect on how they act and function today. Yes. So it's like, e- even if you're saying, yeah. I'm not going to take on fixing what my grandparents did, you still have to take on the responsibility of, I need to know what actually happened Happen. because. Yeah. I'm walking in today, and there was an effect that happened. And so I don't know whether I'm perpetuating it anymore. I don't know if I'm hurting people anymore. I don't know even when I just have casual conversations conversations, what kind of toes I'm stepping on. It's like if I walk inside of a room or whatever... I need to know if there was still a a fight just in the room because I don't know how to function when I walk in there or whatever. So I may come in there like everything's all good and I don't know who I'm offending and who I'm hurting because there was a war that just happened in this
1: place. You get where I'm coming from? And so there's some
0: common sense responsibility that I think people's hard heartedness. And and, and, and this is this is a big point. The dehumanization of African-Americans plays into this so is so foundational in this conversation because the reason people can't rationalize these conversations well, it's because we're not humans to them. Yeah. We're not fully humans, yeah. period. It, so
5: it's yeah. just hard to even grasp for. Another thing I would, though, but to, I don't necessarily always say it's a cop out. Sometimes people just don't know necessarily what to do. Right. That's how bad sin is. Like yeah. you can't, <laughs> you, we could not pay our debt. We could not pay our sin debt. So that's how, bad that, that's how bad sin is. We can't pay the debt. Another thing is that culturally, based in the philosophical foundations of America, is the pursuit of happiness. To visit issues of pain in this context works against happiness.
4: Mm, great point.
5: Um, you know, people don't often see this in the black psyche because um, it's like one of those um, pearls. Pain is a part of our pearls. Even though that sounds crazy, pain is a part of our pearls. No, I get it. Blues, rhythm and blues, R and B. So <laughs> it's a, it's the pearl, but you, we have we have covered the pearl so often. Um, we have been reluctant to share our pain because it's often talked about in a judgmental way. The black community, black on black crime, um, <laughs> you know, ways that that kind of of uh, dehumanize it. But I think on the opposite end, when you're trying to look for an answer, people don't necessarily always have one. And so it almost would be better if we ad- if we just said, we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. But you don't even get that. It's always trying to, like, maybe yeah. that's the cop-out level. It's you not know, even, one of the ways, to...
4: I think, too, is that, you know, I think one of the things we need to make people aware of is the fact that they're still benefiting off of uh, the oppression of African-Americans. So if I have this A reserve of millions and millions of dollars, because it was generational wealth, then I'm still benefiting off the oppression.
1: Mm.
4: So you're the reason you have this foundation is because my people had to be oppressed. So I think if people are aware, you know, some people have disconnected themselves so much. They're like, well, that's my grandfather. Well, do you still have access to the wealth? And maybe some people say, "Well, I don't," but some people do. They have yeah. access to wealth; they're able to thrive as you know, in a in a in a church context as church planners because they have access to wealth, uh, because of who they're connected to, or or just the generation of denominational wealth there. Um, and so, we're not with repentance. I think you need to repent and say, "Okay, this is a problem." But how can I use my privilege? How can I use my finances and resources to help fix the problem that have damaged you for generations?
3: Because I was gonna say, don't leave the money; just pass it on over to us. Like,
2: just give yeah. us some money. Don't leave it. Yeah. Know so, what, I'm saying? Lisa, what do you think? Like fixing it looks like?
4: Um, I think fixing it is gonna. I don't think it's a, a, a one size fits all. I think it's gonna be specific to the context. I think inviting people to places of power, and I'm not talking about having conversations on panels. I'm talking about Ooh. do we have black people on the boards? Ooh. Because I've been telling people this a long time. We can have people who are popular don't often have power, mm-hmm. they're just puppets on the stream right. for mm. people who really have power. So I, mm. I don't need to have another mm. racial reconciliation conversation with a big wig who got a lot of social media followers. I want to see the person that has no social media followers, no Twitter handle that's controlling the board of directors. But when we get on board of directors, when we have real conversations on real tables, I think that's when we'll start to see power change that's when we'll start to see money allocated differently and we have to brainstorm and we have to have conversations with white people have to have start having conversations with black people who have power in black communities because what tends to happen is they get black people who have power within black and white evangelicalism and they have no uh credibility in black contexts so you can't build a bridge if you don't in order yeah. to be a bridge builder, you have to be connected on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Racial reconciliation conversations sometimes are weak because we're trying to build a bridge without access to both sides. Mm.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and, and you know, from a, and from a confessional standpoint, I mean, Jay, you lead in, you lead a, a church that kind of fits that spectrum. I lead a ministry where where um, white evangelicals whose hearts were pricked about injustice and issues came into that community, you know, but <laughs> I have a unique history that like, oh, I've been in a lot of circles, so I, I happen to understand a lot of circles. But overwhelmingly, the unspoken response is you fit into this circle. But in the community I represent, <laughs> you know, what I mean, I'm in Brentwood,
1: mm.
5: North Jacksonville, mm. you know what I mean? There is a, there is, there is a level of poverty. Um, and I want to be careful with how I say that but just for an example a young man in our community we we took some boys out to the park he had glasses frames that were cracked like right there and he had to put those on his face and leaning in and he had some a frame a full frame with no lenses and that's how he wore his glasses (laughs) and the young boy said my mama said um maybe i can get some glasses next school year <laughs> like we don't need to do nothing else <laughs> yeah. we you know we yeah. need to go buy this boy some glasses <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what i mean but like those things don't, that person isn't in power that person doesn't even have the platform cuz the black man you do talk to he got glasses mm. he got some kind of structures where he do, but the people I represent are not, and they have been persistently poor in persistent poverty, great-grandmother, grandmother, mother, child. And when I see it, it's like, man, will this cycle ever be broken? Because the one that often white evangelicals or or, or in this socialized system meet, they meet the Jonathans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not the place where I grew up, and I, many of the people that I know, but don 't necessarily have a voice, which is the power of hip hop, which is a ground up bottom up um, it 's kind of commercialized now, but bottom up, yeah. it has touched the culture yes, so that is the liberation that the black church can have. You yeah. can be bottom up because the gospel is that powerful, mm-hmm. which you have to talk about is self self esteem but um,
3: now, nah, but uh, that 's a good example, because I was going to talk about that when you were talking about rhythm and blues when there was a time when hip hop was known as just an angry black man, that the rebellious angry black man, but it's really a product of us making nothing out of something. Yeah. And now we have more uh, white leaders like controlling the context of economics because it's just like you said, we may have started the art form, but when, we, when you don't have no money, you no longer you can't define. Nothing. You yeah. can't win. You no yeah. longer define. You are
0: gonna get packaged up and put on yeah. the shelf, and somebody's gonna they're gonna push your product. And
5: now it's become porch monkey music. You yeah, but saying? even still today, though, when you talk to the average hip poor hip hop artist, mm-hmm. Ray Schruman yeah. in abandoned house, <laughs> we became famous by throwing house parties in Tupelo. Somebody caught on. White Mike will White made it. Uh, is yeah. that his name? Yeah. Mike yeah. will made it. Made, yeah. And now here we there here we are. Most people on the outside say, oh, why are they talking that music? Why are they doing that? If you just if you hear, listen long enough, this is the only way to get out the ghetto, yep. the only way to get out the hood. But their mass appeal is to white audiences. Because yep. yep. the black people can't afford to go. If you they go, to, Co, you go to Coachella, shows. you can't. Yeah, but it's amazing that it's a bottom-up movement. Yeah. Here it is, poor people who don't have anything are able to rise. Even in the early days, yeah. it was still... Um, the, the thing about explicit, lang- explicit lyrics, that wasn't to protect our kids. Nope, <laughs> that was to let the parents know that this, this song that your your kids is about to buy got all this cursive music in it. You know what I mean? But they were the ones that were buying, were buying the music. Can can I can, I, can let me let me say this
0: right here, and then we're gonna, we're gonna we'll hit a song. Okay. Really fast, but I want to wrap this up. Whatever, Jonathan. Earlier, you said something. You were talking about a denomination that. Um, puts, that ordained somebody for them to uh, ordain them so they can start a black church within their white denomination. Who was that you were speaking about? Um, oh, that was Richard Allen. Oh, I'm sorry. Richard Allen, yeah. So is it, is it safe to say that they basically ordained them with this kind of concept of like, go civilize your people? You know what I'm saying? And, and, like, go civilize your people with the gospel, but you, but you
5: can't be a part of our family, basically. I want to make sure everybody gets a chance. I, think, I just think that race is that hard. Today, Southern Baptist has a black church branch. I mean, Luter was their first president, but pretty much they have a black church branch of black materials of black speakers and writers because race is that hard it's, it's that hard mm. so you a lot of if if you get a lot of black southern baptist church planners have gone because the black traditional black church don't have money to help start churches or they or you could get that's a whole other issue how money flows but yeah. They will go to Southern Baptist because they ha- they can get the money to actually plant a church, yeah. You know, or to 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 launch their their um their their ideas. So sometimes it's it's really just the difficulty to really deal with race because it's that it's just that that difficult.
3: So we on a VO radio show, Jonathan, and I got I'm gonna put you on the spot. You at least you got What are you implying? Mm. Come on, go ahead, Lisa. Over. <laughs>
4: One of the things that I think is important is that we we change how we spend money. And that's that's one of the things I'm hitting on. When I see people raise millions of dollars to go overseas, to send some teenagers overseas to take a glorified vacation and build a house, when there are some people across the town that they've never met that can benefit off that money, I think it's a problem. Because it seems like we want to reach people in a way that's romanticized and glamorous and mm. doesn't take much work. Mm. And that'll never really be able to challenge our notions or don't have the history of brokenness and the history of hurt. It's always easy to start over with someone new that doesn't have the wounds that in a relationship. If you meet somebody, it's easier to start with somebody new because they have a fresh perspective of you. You're able to bring these resources and they're going to be They're like, oh, my God, you're so amazing. But when you've broken somebody's heart and you try to do nice things for them, it's going to be a totally different dynamic because Uh they remember the stain of that brokenness. And so it's not going to be easy. And so I challenge people with resources to use those resources and build up what you tore down. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that's where the conversation needs to go. I don't want to have any more kumbaya sessions about let's be unified and do photo ops. What are we doing with power structures and money?
0: Uh, I, I'm tired of walking away from them conversations feeling dirty and disgusting afterwards. No, yeah. and we come in our, to talk about racial reconciliation, but I've left off so many panels feeling like the sucker of the year. So yes, many and they want to
4: take—they always want to take a picture, and if you're on the black person, they want to put you at the front, in the middle, <laughs> and they put yeah. you on the website.
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey. well, and that's hard
5: because sometimes you—you know—you as a as a person, like I could be judged. Like, Jonathan is the token, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I took the risk to step in a situation. Yeah. But inwardly, I know, like, it don't matter what anybody say. God knows. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> like, I, God knows, like, yo, love is love everywhere. Yeah. Is, you going to be misunderstood, straight up. You know what I'm saying?
2: I want to ask an honest question. Am I the token white guy? For the VO radio show?
5: Yeah. No. I don't you think are so. The, no. You are irrational. You are an exotic intrusion this you that's the nicest listen, thing
2: anyone's ever said you to me, you,
5: you hurt hearing this conversation yeah. you hurt that's our reality every day that's and i it is it's yeah. like every every day yeah. like when we talk about this what is beauty what is beauty just google it you will not find us no so, so you over time like I don't, I don't even see myself as beauty yeah like <laughs> what does jesus look like now I know that's not t- from truth and knowledge, but the, my mental image, like so, w- like nothing good. So, so that's like that's my self image. But you to hear like, man, my God, like that's that's what we that's what we hear. So all you've done is just shared. And you don't even get a prize. <laughs> you you just you have just you and I and it, for you to walk away <laughs> would just it would. Only thing it would do, I mean one one, we you would have some sympathy, because that because African Americans have done that historically. You have sympathy. You know, we don't it's not our intent to make other people feel bad, but it is to be like to be as JF said over and over again, to be our pain to be humanized. But the other part is that, well, that's what we expected. <laughs> so, that's so it's not like a big I don't know. It's I don't wanna say heartbreak, but it is what yeah. it, it was. What it is. You You've See, just joined the the, yeah, the pain circle.
2: I, f- I hear you, and I'm only breaking into the pain. Oh, no, sure. And it's it's uh, there's a lot of walls for myself that have to break down to even feel pain. Um, just that's what privilege does. So, and it's challenging, you know. Like everything we're saying, there's things in me that want to fight against it. No, yeah. You know, like promise keepers. I'm like, well. I went to Promise Keeper events, and I saw grown men, black and white, bawling, crying, embracing. And it was real. And like any movement, it dies out at some point. It's not the church. The church is the only thing that's going to go forever. And maybe it was a stepping stone to something else. So in that way, I think it was a success. Now, did it heal and uh, reconcile all the problems? Absolutely not. You know, it, When it came to its end, it's like, okay, we went this far, and we have This far to go. still, And then when I'm hearing, like, the whole missions thing, it's like, man, I want to, um, I hear that, Lisa, and I totally agree. Like, you can't just, the churches that skip over the people in their general vicinity to go across the world to do something is insane. I do think there's parts where there's needs for both yeah i know. don't I
4: think yeah I don't want to take away overseas missions right, but I'm just saying there seems to be an emphasis on going overseas without it reaching yeah. the community or mm-hmm. using resources totally agree um,
2: yeah. yeah i'm yeah. with that yeah
0: i i think I think also too, like like I think these are really good questions. I think that if people are listening right now to think that we're going to the extreme end of doing away with anything because of what we're saying. Is irrational in in, in the conversation. That's not it at all. And even with promise keepers, I know people that have come to Christ at promise keepers. But the statement that remains is that there is this 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 movement and this thing that happens in the church where people are able to celebrate it. um, It neglects so many people, and it it, it, even though God is still going to move in it. I mean. You know, I've met the Lord in churches that I really wouldn't vouch for, like you know what I'm saying, like yeah. that I wouldn't vouch for, but God was still moving no, yeah. in Absolutely. it and still speaking to me. But there's a certain there's there's a responsibility that I think as believers that we have neglected, right? And so I just want to read this scripture real quick because this is where my heart grieves in this conversation when it comes to Christian identity and um, from a pastoral standpoint and what we're supposed to be being responsible with um uh, uh, you know in in just something I feel that we 've lost, but this is second corinthians uh, six and i 'm going to start at verse three it says this it says and and, and what I want you to hear what, what I want you to listen to this in this scripture is the the mantle that the men of God wear here, and the responsibility that they wear um in the position that they 've been given right It says we put no obstacle in anyone 's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. That's an important statement, because we're talking about today is the fact that you have a whole country of people that don't seem to be able to bring a gut-wrenching, historically obvious problem to people who are in power in the church that are majority white evangelicals, on the white side of it. We could just go into blackness and just say forget that, but the Bible talks about every tribe, every tongue, every nation coming together. And in some senses, we got to do what we got to do for our people, and that's that because we have brokenness, and we can't wait for everybody to get there. But in the wholeness of the conversation and in respect to the gospel, there is this responsibility that we have. I don't care what color you are. If you call yourself a Christian, that talks about us esteeming each other higher than ourselves. That is a huge display of love to God's glory. It, it, it's it's one of the fundamental fragrances that we carry as Christians. And it's turned into a utter stench. And because of it, we have so many people stumbling it, stumbling over that and and, and, and the gospel going past them because it looks like a lie from the people who say they represent the gospel. And so it's a grievous thing to just to, to, to the cross, number one. It's a grievous sin that we need to repent of and be responsible for. Um, but I say this because it, it grieves my heart for what's happening. It it, it grieves my heart that we're there, but it says we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Um, we shouldn't be having to bring this conversation up. It should have been brought up. There's people who fell asleep on their watch and let this be the case. Um, and, and and it was due to hard heartedness and some of them, I would even argue if they were even Christians at all, even though they were the face of Christianity. And I'm just say that. But let me keep on reading says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor. Through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. I think this scripture is so pivotal in our conversation. Because what we're talking about is a heart that has rejected a lot of the things that they are talking about in this scripture. Um, People have rejected to go through hardships. People have rejected just having a hard conversation. People have rejected genuine love because genuine love gives room for us to be wrong.
4: Yeah.
0: It does. It just simply does. Genuine love for me at this table is for y'all to be able to say something and me go, yo, you know what? I need to repent. Last week, Shirk Dog, you repented on the show. Mm-hmm. That's huge. People don't repent no more. That's what Christians are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. If anybody has any room to repent and walk in the light and expose their sin, because we are no longer under condemnation. Our condemn our, 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 our the wrath of God has been put on the blood of Lamb. If anybody can walk in the light with their dirt, we can't. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy the thing, when Jay, the when the world is outpacing us in walking in the light. That's a, that's a travesty. it, well, shirt, dog.
2: Here's the thing. So, in this conversation, what I've seen is that it's easier for black people to repent than white people, and I say that because black people in this conversation, it's the injustices done to them promotes anger, hatred, even, and these are like very visible. You can you can you can clearly see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In white people, it promotes arrogance and apathy which are nearly invisible and really hard to see and really hard for white people to own and it takes a lot I mean just as grievous just as terrible just as perpetuating of a problem yeah but it's internal and it's not it's not an outward you know expression of a sin mm-hmm. it, so it's like it takes i don 't know I, when I keep thinking about you know when we talk at our church you, you hear that there's been tons of black people at our church repenting of their racism, and very, very, very few white people doing the same thing, even though we all know it's crazy, isn't it yeah. that white people yeah. are racist and but then there's always a justification or a reason why it's like, well, so are black people or and it's just a defense, Mm -hmm. deflection. Mm -hmm. And it just comes Mm -hmm. to me because pride, arrogance, and apathy all come from privilege and power. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I I think that's an important statement to say too, because I think that there's awareness that we need to have concerning how sin actually works. Mm -hmm. And that goes into Part of the conversation, I want to go to a song first because I know I said that like 40 minutes ago that we're going to do a song. But I want to go into a song first and then come back to actually what you're pushing on. Because as black brothers and sisters, right, with our white brothers and sisters, because we are all family, how do we take responsibility? Knowing what Shirk just said about the, like, like we all have our sin. Oh, sure. And 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 it plays its game to undermine the cross. That's that's the game plan of Satan at the end of the day it's to undermine the cross. How do we love our white brothers and sisters in the midst of this, knowing the game that Satan is playing? Yeah. Right. For the sake of the cross and for the sake of loving our neighbor. How do we steward this conversation? Like, what are some of the things there? So when we come back, we're going to jump into that. I know y'all want to thug out on it right now, but we're going to come back to it. Listen, this is 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. You're rocking with the Ville Radio Show. We got some amazing guests on the show, Lisa Fields, and we got my man, Jonathan Blackburn. We do talk about racism in the church. Yo, Philly, you said you had a song you was going to rock.
3: Yeah, I'm going to hit it with my man, and Ventura. Featuring the boy, you know, Big Philly easy. and we're going coast to coast with him right here on the Radio Show.
0: You know, when you say it like that, that they won't be able to go Google your name because they won't be able to look up Philly they won't be able to do it. But it's
2: spelled phonetically, so just exactly how it sounds is how it's spelled. Just put it, <laughs> just put it in. There. All right, peace.
1: We out. This is the Bill Radio Show. We'll be right back after this song. Coast to coast, you feel
2: it.
1: Coast to coast, I know I do. Coast to coast, you feel it. Coast to coast, I know I do. Coast to coast you feel it coast to coast i know i do coast to coast so you feel it that's the sound of the town i wrote Hey yo i came through from that dale right six albums and what's the album? i left them all like pale right? ghosting and i'm coasting and they said that i couldn't sell right but i navigated and i haven't made it but i made a lot of songs that i like and it's about time i got Made it. So hold the applause, I'd rather drop jaws. Now that's a shock tank, you ain't come up They want to invest, I want to impress. Got to lay it down and leave a hot mess. Breathe in success, I inhale. Breathe out the rest, now I'm over it. Numbers don't lie if I didn't sell. Well, I still got beats for the road trip. So, coast to coast, you feel it? Coast to coast, I know I do. Coast to coast, you feel it? Coast to coast, I know I do. Coast to coast, you feel it? Coast to coast, I know I do so you feel it that's the sound of the town i broke hey, Yo, i came down from that northwest by way of the bay made a stop in vegas you could say that i had had no rest and no chill and no time for haters my beard long and i'm contemplated for the first year i was just not creative now it's 904 in my skin and it's dirty duval where they riding rims that main street like a ghost town and the fire burned the whole city down so i'm eating ribs it and then for dinner i'm getting four rivers now forever i gotta let them know it wasn't jacksonville i got my southern flow that's trap beats and big beaches and big bass that'll leave your speech yourself coast to coast you feel it coast to coast i know i do coast to coast you feel it coast to coast i know i do coast to coast you feel it uh-huh coast to coast i know i do coast to you feel it? Let's go, That's A.V. The sound of the town
3: I wrote. Welcome to Duval County. Yeah, we known as the home Hometown of Tim Tebow. Yeah, we claim him. Tebow. Top of the sunshine. State with the sunshine. Grace A.V. Boy, you know you better thank him. Because he brought you to the 904. Yes, sir. That's where you defined your flow. Come on. Now you can rely on residuals And then they got you looking fly individuals yeah. Hooked you up with Chance in the Wild Boy scoop you in the Trans Am, that's a loud toy Julie, you in one third of the loud boys Big Phil coming through making loud noise Man, I hate to boast like, like this But you ain't never seen a coast like this no. We will always be your folks So before you go, send you off to a toast like this Yo, everybody put your glasses in the air Let's celebrate my man Now before we send you off, I know you think you're flying out of here But we got a candy-coated Caprice sitting on does Waiting for you downstairs Big dude driving it by the name of Big Walk. If you walk up to him and say his name is Walk, he ain't gonna look at you crazy. You gotta say Big Walk. All right? That's your journey, baby. Route 66. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. You feel it? Coast to coast. I know I do. What it is. You back. This is the Ville Radio Show. You know what I'm saying? That was my man, Aaron Ventura, and that was yours truly. The one and only, the uncomfortable, the exuberating, the. Astonishment of life itself, (laughs) (laughs) whatever that means, it is big, feel, baby, you know what I mean.
0: You know, that's how we doing it. Shut
3: up. It
2: is the uncomfortable because I don't get it. I don't get, I don't get Big Phil. You
3: know what I'm saying?
0: Yo, check Shut it out. Up. We back, yo. The Ville Radio Show. Listen, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio. You back in effect with Big Philly Illy, Shirk Dog in the building, and our uh, guest, Lisa Fields, and um, my brother, Jonathan Blackburn. Listen, we talking about racism in the church. We only got a couple of minutes left on this show, and we want to... Um, we want to get to it. So real quick, we ended this last session before the song. Um, And shout out to my man, Air Ventura, on the joint, whatever. We miss you, brother. The
2: Caucasian, Asian, yeah. American sensation. Oh. That was a big fill line. All right.
0: Let me find out Shark Dog about to drop the bars. Y'all. y'all don't know he got bars. <laughs> y'all don't know he got bars.
2: <laughs> I got one bar. That was it. No,
0: he has bars. We're going to have to. He wrote this way. We need a song. What? Stop Snap. playing. Real. All right. So listen, listen. Before we left, we went into, we were talking about. Um, Shirk, you made a very, very juicy point or whatever you was talking about how, um, you know, you, you, you were just talking about how like how. Uh, Sin
2: fleshes out differently between you. white and black people in this conversation.
0: Yes, we're talking about that and we're talking about how privilege um, a lot of times in this conversation concerning race breeds with um, with whites. It breeds arrogance or it breeds apathy. Apathy. And and so,
2: laziness, all that stuff.
0: All of that stuff, or whatever. And that's some of the resistance that a lot of us face when we try to come to the table and have this conversation. Um, And it's hard. We get very weary with having the conversation because you walk away. Um, I know I do as a black man a lot of times. I walk away just feeling disgusted because I've had to fight for my dignity in the conversation. Um, and and it's one thing in the streets, but it's another thing when I'm dealing with Christians who I expect to have a repentant heart and, and actually esteem what I have to say and treat me as a human. So it hurts especially, but I know that we've been saved by the blood in Jesus and grace and mercy afforded to us. Right. And God is bringing us all into his family. I don't care what color you are. And that's the responsibility of every Christian to be working in the redeeming work. And this redeeming work isn't for just blacks or just whites or just, just Asians or Hispanics. It's for all of us. Um, so taking on that banner and pushing that fight, what are some of the things you feel that we need to know specifically as African-Americans, um, Dealing with the kind of harshness, the grievousness of this conversation. Because it's not a, people often take it like it's a historical issue Mm -hmm. where we got spit in our face one time. This happens every single day for us. My wife and my daughter walk in the house often talking about their day at work, their day at Starbucks, being mistreated. My children come in the house and talk about being mistreated by their teachers, their white teachers and it's obvious to them. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and I don't want y'all to talk. But we just had a white lady in the church the other day. I was leaving out of church, and she has two black daughters that um, she's adopted. And I was preaching about repentance or something, and she came to me after church. She said, Jay, she said, I'm getting to where I hate white people. And she goes, I need help in my heart. This is a white lady. And she's like, having black daughters, I see very clearly, it, it, like I've never seen before. Um, and so, as our pastor, I have to help her protect her heart. I see it clearly. I know how much it hurts, how mad it can make you. But how do we protect that um, in going forward and still work in this redemptive process of building unity and glorifying God through our relationships and esteeming each other higher than ourselves? Um, hit me.
4: I think it starts with just constantly recognizing what God did for us. Yes. Um, I I I constantly have to when I get upset remind myself of what Jesus did and how he inconvenienced himself and how he was mistreated for our redemption, what he went through, the ways he sacrificed, and all of that. And I I, I and it challenges you because you want to walk away from the conversation. You want to unfollow people on social media all of the time because you see and you want to run. And I have to remind myself continuously what love is and how to speak truth to power and speak truth in love. When we talk about love, sometimes we think about niceness. Sometimes we think about, oh, we don't address certain issues, gentle and kind. But I think about Corinthians when how Paul addressed the church at Corinth and made them so angry. And he's like, I'm glad you got upset because that means you changed. Hmm. So when people say speak the truth in love, sometimes they mean think. He's talking about tone, but then that would put Paul at conflict with himself Mm. when he's talking about how you share truth because Mm. he shares the truth to the Church of Corinth in a harsh way. Mm. So I say, speak the truth in love means being committed to the person you're speaking to. Mm. I'm not going to leave you, I'm not going to abandon you. Mm. And so that's what it means for me. And that means I can't unfollow you. That means I gotta stick it out. That means I have to have the tough conversations. And I'm going to try to be there. And that's hard for us. We have to retreat and get, get love from people who actually understand and then try to go back in the fight. But we cannot stop fighting.
0: Gangster. Gangster. Oh. Our, our time is drilling down. Jonathan, you have anything you want to hit before we go?
5: Yeah, it's just, I guess always wrestling with the tension of the collective and the individual. Um, my blackness is also reinforced by traumas that happen because of the collective. But I'm very much an individual and it 's funny, often in that race conversation, often white people do not see themselves as a collective right mm-hmm. yeah, you totally. know so it 's not like we white people, but so it's it 's always, c- always wrestling like you know how do I be, how do I be just towards my black brothers and sisters who who generally, who genuinely do struggle, but then also, how do I wrestle with not being caught up in that narrative yeah. when it doesn 't um, attain the ends that glorify christ
2: yeah you never hear a white person say we're not racist they're always i'm not racist yeah it's only Mm. individual yeah they do not think we do not think collectively Collectively, yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yo listen what we looking at like on time we got 41 seconds i'm gonna close out with this real quick listen we are sponsored by the Ville Church. If you want to check us out, go to Theville.church. Um, we got um, Easter service coming up. We are doing service. We're doing two that day, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We would love for you to have your face in the place and come join us. I think I want to close out with this right here. Listen, church, all that, kill all that the punk stuff or whatever, and oh, stop with all those conversations. Your responsibility is to have a conversation. We are in the middle of a war right now. Our church is looking mad crazy to the rest of the world, and it's it's actually disrespecting the beauty of the gospel. Homeboys, get your knuckles up and get ready to fight. Girlfriend, pull your hair back in a ponytail. It's scrapping season. It is what it is, and the first people we need to hit in the face is ourselves, and we need to look in the mirror, and we need to tell the truth. And we as the church need to repent because we're covered by the blood of Jesus, and we're allowed to. I just want to leave you with that. Be responsible with these conversations, because if you look in the mirror and bring them in the light, then the blood of Jesus will cover you, and the fruit that comes from it will start building what has been broken, all right? We got dirt on our hands or whatever, and the blood covers it, so let's walk in that freedom, and let's hit these hard conversations, all right? Seville Radio Show, we love you, Peach.